and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney, Senior Features and Analysis Writer. And I'm Emily Burt, Editor of Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. Each week we sit down for a quick-fire conversation about the interesting or unusual goings-on in the charity world. And this week we're discussing Awareness Days. And in this week's Good News Bulletin, we've got uh, a library in Mosul that's been restocked, amazingly. And we've got what could be, we're not we're not going to go too tabloid on it, but there's a possibility that this is Britain's oldest trustee. We don't know. That's all to come. But first, Emily, did you know that today is International Play Tennis Day? I did not. No, I, I had absolutely no idea. Uh, I will have to go out and find some tennis balls, I guess, at lunchtime. Excellent. And a tennis racket, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't own one of those. I don't know where I'd procure one at short notice. But yes, today is International Play Tennis Day. And yesterday was World Spay Day. Huh. Um, so I don't know if you did anything to, to mark that particular occasion. I, I did not commemorate World Spay Day, it must be said. Yep, fair. Um, I'm sure your dog can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, <laughs> Quite a niche audience for that one, I think. It really is. It really yes. is. Um, but yes, possibly uh, uh, possibly a way to raise awareness. Uh, yesterday was also International Single Tasking Day, so actively not multitasking. Uh, in the USA, it was National Cook a Sweet Potato Day and National Supermarket Employee Day. Uh, today is also Jamaican Patty Day in Canada and National Dog Biscuit Day in America. Um so it turns out there's this brilliant website called thereisadayforthat.com, which is literally just a calendar of all the various awareness and promotional days, weeks, months, which exist in the UK and internationally. And it won't surprise you to learn that there are hundreds of these events. Absolutely. And some of them, as we've heard, are amusing. And some of them are part of campaigns to promote activities or products or to celebrate particular industries. And there are those that are more serious. They're raising awareness of little known conditions or serious issues around the world. Absolutely. And some awareness months are very well known and make really important statements about what we as a society need to be thinking about, talking about and recognising. So I'm thinking of things like Black History Month and LGBTQ History Month, which incidentally takes place during February. These events can mean a huge amount to people and communities whose histories and struggles, past and present, have been overlooked. They can also be a vehicle to drive awareness and through that, lasting change. So in a moment, we'll be talking to Claire Laxton, Director of Communications and Influencing at PAUSE, about what she makes of Awareness Days, slash weeks, slash months. Um, But yeah, this week's topic started out uh, as me just kind of musing, really. And as I tend to do when I have a charity musing that I want input on, I turn to Twitter. So I posted a question for fundraisers, campaigners, communications people and anyone else who had thoughts just saying, I'm curious about awareness, days, weeks, months. What's the consensus on them? Do they work? What makes them successful? And as is often the case with charity Twitter, people do indeed have thoughts. So uh, yeah, I thought it would be good to share them with you now. Absolutely. So Scott Eastwood, who is a community development manager, responded to your tweet with a bit of a mixed opinion on Awareness Days. So he said, I think some Awareness Days work, but there are so many now that it almost waters down all of them. Some that are set into the calendar work, but others mainly pass us by without even realising that they exist. His advice for campaigners and charities thinking about this issue is to find a way to tap into days that are happening already. Scott also pointed out that because there are so many awareness days, figures like MPs, national funders, possibly local government, can often feel a bit uneasy about recognising one awareness day. Because if you then don't celebrate another equally important cause, that can become a bit tricky. So in his work, they often stick to big, broader themes such as International Women's Day or Volunteering Week, rather than anything that is promoted or organised by one specific organisation. 
Right. And uh, the fundraising consultant, John Thompson, pointed out that corporate organisations have very much got in on the action in different ways as well. So as well as having that kind of quite crowded marketplace, we've got corporate organisations. He said, there was a time when vacuum cleaners had a week. (laughs) A week! He's he's, he's got thoughts about the week. Um, (laughs) Nowadays, pies still get a week, whilst kindness and many types of diseases only get a day. The cynic in me says companies with big budgets are hijacking day days in an already cluttered space. So absolutely, there is a mixture here with companies throwing awareness days, weeks or months to highlight their own products, but potentially then also promoting charity or cause awareness days to demonstrate their values. Right. And I mean, we get press releases every so often just being like, did you know it's International Donut Day? And part of my brain goes, oh, go away. Leave me alone. This is nonsense. Yeah. And the rest of me goes, I really want a donut now. Um, which is, uh, yeah. That's exactly what they want you to think, Rebecca. Well, exactly, exactly. And this is, uh, John Thompson went on to say, it fuels cynicism when brands tactically and temporarily align themselves with issues without any intention of long-term strategic commitment to a cause or being able to demonstrate any historical credentials that show ongoing concern. So yeah, so as well as their own products, this idea of charity, of uh, businesses just tagging on to charity causes may not actually be that helpful. The digital impact consultant Madeline Sugden thinks that actually using random awareness days like National Hugging Day or World Carrot Day as a hook to talk about another cause is something that used to be really popular. But she says the practice has become much less common in recent years. She says that charity-led events can help to raise the profile of a course, but ultimately how much cut-through they're going to get will depend on whether organisations run events, have press stories and get coverage. However, Sugden points out that there will be lots of examples where sector-wide events have helped to build awareness and to drive behaviour change. For example, Giving Tuesday uh, or Remember a Charity Week. Yeah, and there was very much a um, a theme actually of uh, within these replies to this this tweet that I put out, this Twitter thread, was, you know, Charities get out what they put in, I think, uh, it's fair to say. And yeah, I, like I have to say, I've never been entirely convinced that Giving Tuesday has really got that kind of cut through that it's aiming for in this country. And we did a podcast episode on that very thing um, a year or so ago. But yeah, Rob Cope, who is director of a member of charity, joined into the conversation to say, for perceived taboo topics like legacies, an awareness week has been critical. It gives the media, advisors, government, the consumer and all critically charities an excuse and a platform to talk about it collaboration has helped to drive long-term behaviour change. So it's a really interesting point about where it can be useful. And I have to say, I'm a massive fan of the ways that Remember a Charity particularly uses those awareness weeks. Um, I think the campaigns with things like the Womble to say, if you can remember you're a Womble, you can remember to leave a gift in your will. They do really innovative and creative approaches to things like legacy giving, which takes out from this very narrow, like sombre view of death. And that is a really, really useful thing to be doing. Um, Ian Griggs, who used to be the associate editor of Third Sector's sister publication, PR Week, also joined in on this conversation. And it's fair to say that he was fairly unenthused about the whole thing. Uh, Ian said, uh, Awareness days were a complete waste of time and ignored by the majority of journalists as a news hook, if media relations is your intention. Yeah, this is a really interesting and pretty unequivocal point from Ian, who is, who is a pretty straight to the point person, I have to say. Um, he says what he says, definitely. He does, he does. He's lovely. He's absolutely lovely. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I could speak to that because like, obviously, like a third sector, we're specifically not writing about charities' causes. Uh, you know, we write about the things that charities have in common. So we do tend to think about things like Volunteers Week or Small Charities Week, but we wouldn't necessarily go, you know, 
it's bowel cancer awareness day or something like that because that just isn't in our remit i totally agree i think that remit is everything if you are trying to get in touch with a media outlet then you need to think about what it is that they do and why they might have that interest so for example there were only ever two awareness days that i regularly covered in my previous job in which i wrote quite a lot about pay in the workplace uh, the first Awareness Day was Fat Cat Friday. That is marked on January the 4th every year. And it is the day on which the earnings of a typical FTSE 100 company chief executive surpasses the average annual UK salary. Oh, that's mind blowing. And that's that's really clever, right? Like just such mm. a, a clever little way of getting you to understand that's what's going on. Pay inequity in this country, particularly yeah. at those higher levels. Um, and, and very similarly, the second was always Equal Pay Day, which we would mark that takes place on November the 10th. And that marks the day in the year when women effectively stop earning until the following year as a result of gender pay disparity. Um, so again, you know, that was always a big awareness day. But I have to say, you know, uh, things like those pay metrics are complicated by so many other factors as well. So November 10th doesn't necessarily take into account, you know, um, race, you know, bias in terms of pay as well um, and sort of income levels and that kind of thing. So they would be uh, sort of relevant to the brand. But again, they, they could be like slightly blunt tools from time to time. Rebecca spoke to Claire Laxton, who is the Director of Communications and Influencing at Pause, to talk about this issue in some more depth. Claire, thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Um, so this idea about awareness days, weeks, months, sort of periods of time, can they be effective when promoting a charity's cause or securing coverage, do you think? I really think awareness days, weeks, months are so helpful for charities if they want to raise the profile of their cause and the people they work with, if they want to raise money or if they're sort of particularly aiming a campaign, a, a policymaker or government department. They are such a useful tool and I think used well, they can do all of those things. I think also with some of the more well-known awareness days or weeks, the government will also, you know, timetable announcements and policy announcements um, for them. So it's really good to be aligned with with what's happening there as well. So, you know, for example, when I worked at Women's Aid, um, November the 25th is the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And the government always had an announcement around domestic abuse. And that's why it's so important for us as a charity to also be recognising that day and doing our own thing too, to really amplify some of the work that was being done. And last year in December, it was National Letter Writing Day. And currently at Pause, we've got a campaign around letterbox contact. So we use that day to really amplify our um, call around letterbox contact and, and the importance of the changes that were needed. So I think they can really be valuable for charities in lots of ways. Yeah. So so that is this kind of taking pre-existing days and kind of going, okay, how does that tie in with what we're doing? What else is going to be going on and how do we engage with that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate you're coming at this from, from sort of a, co a communications point of view more than a fundraising point of view, but do you have any understanding of, of whether or not they are useful for fundraising, whether that can be effective? 
Yeah, they're definitely used for fundraising as well. And I think, again, particularly for some of those more well-known days and for big fundraising charities, you know, we always at Click Sergeant, or it's called Young Lives Versus Cancer now, we always marked World Cancer Day with fundraising events. And it was a really good opportunity to engage supporters in fundraising on that day. There was also Childhood Cancer Awareness Month of the whole of September. And again, that was a really good time to engage people who wanted to fundraise um, to do it during that time. To, so to really sort of take a hook um, with the awareness day or month that was happening at that point. Yeah, I suppose if this, you are aware of this now and here's what you can do about it, which is give us some money. Um, it ties in quite nicely. Exactly. And I think that's why it can work really well for fundraising, because it is um, a profile raising thing. And then, hey, now you want to do something about it. This day's coming up. You can help us by raising money for us on this day. So is it a problem then, do you think, that corporate organisations are also sort of a huge part of this landscape? You know, we've got kind of various different sort of, you know, you have like International Donut Day or whatever, like companies promoting their own products as well. I think it really does make a difference about who the company is and what they're trying to achieve. And I think, you know, for example, at Women's Aid, we worked with a company who had a sort of lipstick that they sold on International Women's Day and part of the donations went to women's charities. And they actually supported women's charities throughout the year. So it wasn't just, it didn't feel like a tokenistic sort of product sell, if you see what I mean. Mm. And I think it really, you know, I would, I think customers and, and people like that can really tell when businesses are being opportunistic with awareness days and to me it really matters what they're doing on the other 364 days of the year um, about whether it feels tokenistic or um, is just really opportunistic and they don't really believe in it but they're just trying to sell a product um, I think you see a lot of that around International Women's Day in particular. Yeah no that makes sense and yeah, is there a danger that, as you say, that kind of you've got these existence of days or, or months or weeks that, that can be quite limiting in that sense? So, for example, you know, you talked about International Women's Day. There's also sort of, you know, do we only talk about Black History in Black History Month and then kind of go, okay, well, that's okay, another eleven months before we have to talk about that again? Um, you know, is there a danger of that happening? I think there's definitely there is definitely a danger of that happening, and I guess, you know. Um, our approach at Pours around awareness days is really understanding what they all are and using them to learn and like be curious. So we've actually got something called a year of curiosity and challenging conversations where we bring in external speakers around particular awareness days or months to hear from them, maybe about something that we don't know that much about and, you know, really learn something and, and sort of have something new to say about that awareness day. And I think if you're only talking about the experiences of black and brown people during Black History Month, that is not the right way to approach awareness days or awareness months. You know, if you have a commitment to being anti-racist, you should be talking about that all the time. And Black History Month should be an opportunity to hear from others or, you know, talk about what you've been doing to become an anti-racist organisation. And I think the same goes for things like International Women's Day as well, or um, World Mental Health Day. You know, you've really got to, as a charity, show how you understand and value that day and, and those people throughout the whole year, but maybe use that Awareness Day to amplify other people's voices or talk about what you've been doing in that particular area. I think 
if charities are approaching awareness days to sort of thinking, right, we'll talk about this issue on this day and then we won't talk about it for another year. I really think that that's probably the wrong way to approach them. No, that makes a lot of sense. So how can charities make the best use of awareness days? What is the right way to approach them? I think it's um, it can feel really daunting because there are so many awareness days, weeks and months, um, but they all represent something really important to a certain group of people. So I think um, the first thing to do is get a calendar. There's lots of free ones on the um, internet. So just get a calendar, have a look at it. Think about which awareness days in particular will chime with the people you work with, your colleagues, um, the teams you work with, and think about what proactive stuff you might want to do on those awareness days and what purpose it might have. It might be campaigning, it might be fundraising, might be, you know, that sort of thing. But then I think, think, look at the other awareness days and think about how you can show your support, maybe not necessarily proactively in terms of having a lot of resource put into it but you can demonstrate that you know that that day is important to a lot of people who might be following you and I think just get creative tell people about it talk to people about it Um, and if it becomes part of your sort of yearly planning and yearly thinking then then it doesn't have to be as resource intensive as some people might be worried that it is. I think when thinking about corporates and businesses as well, you know, they do have different audiences to charities. So sometimes awareness days can be a good way of reaching those new audiences that maybe charities wouldn't necessarily get to from another um, from another angle. So I think that can be a useful way of businesses and corporates being involved too. Yeah, that's interesting. So rather than seeing it as corporates piggybacking in on charities' causes and awareness days, it's charities piggybacking in on uh, businesses awareness days and, aware- and, and, and audience and reach yeah yeah exactly brilliant well thank you very much for joining us thanks very much so each week as ever we bring you our weekly good news bulletin a positive or a quirky news story that we've spotted in the charity sector So this week, I've got some exciting news. Uh, So the University of Mosul Library has officially reopened uh, on the 19th of February. The library was deliberately destroyed by the Islamic State in 2014, um, essentially as a way of sort of striking against education and freedom of knowledge. And BookAid International has been providing books to help restore the library's lost collection since 2018. To date, the charity has provided 20,099 brand new publisher-donated higher education books in the sciences, engineering, humanities and medical subjects. BookAid says it remains committed to providing thousands of additional brand new, carefully selected books to support the library on an ongoing basis, because I believe originally it had more than a million books in its collection. My goodness. Yeah. So the BookAid International Chief Executive, Alison Tweed, said there are a few places in the world that have suffered a more direct attack on learning than Mosul. And we are incredibly proud to have played a small role in restoring the book collection, which was destroyed at the University of Mosul Library. We'd like to thank UK publishers who generously donated these books to us, as all of our financial supporters who make it possible for us to create access to books where it's needed most. I think I really, what I really love about BookAid International is that it's specifically working with publishers. It's about getting new books. It's not something where other places end up with British school or British university cast-offs or dog-eared copy that's a bit irrelevant. It's, no, publishers need to be donating up-to-date, good quality textbooks. I think that's really important. And let's hope we see this library growing and growing in the years to come. Yes. So what have you got for us, Emily? I've got a absolutely 
brilliant story this week, which is that the Southhold Trust has announced that its longest serving trustee, 93-year-old Annette Wallace, will retire in March after an amazing 60 years of voluntary service. That's incredible. 60 years. I can't conceive of doing anything for 60 years. Absolutely. Annette was only 33 years old when she joined the Trust. The year was 1962, the first James Bond film was in the cinema, and the Beatles had just released their first single, Love Me Do. So Annette's grandfather, Wilfred Southall, had founded the Southall Trust in 1937, with proceeds from the sale of the family's pharmaceutical company, Southill Brothers and Barclay. Now, this organisation, as an aside, is perhaps best known for inventing the sanitary towel. So this is the pharmaceutical company. That's amazing. Absolutely. Annette's mother and her uncle were also founding trustees of the Southall Trust. So Annette was inspired by her father, Corda Catchpool, who was imprisoned for his anti-war pacifist views during World War I. Although she was a child at the time, Annette's memories are vivid of living in Berlin in the 1930s and the Gestapo arresting and interrogating her father. Corda Kachpal was persecuted for trying to help Jewish people and others to escape the imminent torture that they would face under the Nazi regime. He and his wife Gwen devoted the rest of their lives to promoting peace and human rights. And Annette has continued her parents' legacy through the Southall Trust. And what a legacy that is to have. Yeah, that is incredible and, and, and yeah, an incredible amount of time spent in service. So many thanks to Annette for 60, 60 years of work with her charity. Enjoy your incredibly well-earned retirement. (laughs) Enjoy your retirement. Put your feet up. Absolutely. We'll be back with another episode soon, so make sure you subscribe to this, the Third Sector podcast, on your favourite podcast app to be the first to know about it. Until then, I'm Emily Burt. And I'm Rebecca Cooney. Thank you to our guest, Claire Laxton, and our producer, Lindsay Riley, at Rethink Audio. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 